right, so there we go. It is two minutes past seven right here on 657 AM. Your daily companion, of course, uh, 729 Cape Pulpit. Everyone also tuned in this evening. We are coming to you guys all the way live from our studios in Centurion. And we're reaching you as far as not just Cape Town. Um, it was so amazing during the week to get a mail from Ukraine. People in Ukraine listening. It is just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. So um, Ukraine people say we inspire them. No, you've got it wrong. You are inspiring us on this side of the world. You tuned in tonight to talk to me, well, to spend time with me, Dwayne van Rensburg, and of course my guest, Reverend Paul Coupe, and we'll be talking, she'll be talking the controversial stuff. I'll, 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 just, I'll just be the host. Nevertheless, uh, we are the Ecclesia of Christ, she taught me this, and we got to make our voices heard. So... We're going to talk a bit, a bit of kingdom legislation tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about one, of, one or two few things. If you want to join the chat, do it now. Our WhatsApp lines are open, 0826572729, and uh, we will gladly respond to anything that you guys are sending us, except we can't respond on NASA's issue for the solar storm right now. We've got no confirmation of that. Um, so, yeah, please... The WhatsApp lines are open, the SMS lines are open, Telegram line is open, and we are also live on Facebook. So if you would like to send us a message, the Facebook feed's open in front of me right now. Give us a hello, give us a shout out, and we'll give you a shout out in return. Reverend Paul Coupe, um, how are you, Rev? I'm good, thank you, Dwayne. We're in the house, and it's marvelous just to be here on our regular Monday evening shows, mm. just uh, having a chat about what's going on in our nation, what's happening in the world, and especially in the legislative sector. Ironically enough, when, uh, <laughs> when we started this, I thought to myself, yeah. this is boring. Yeah. This is boring, <laughs> and we're not going to have a following. <laughs> this has become a... We've been, we've been on air for, for, for two years now, myself and you, yeah. and we've started creating an audience, and it's an audience that very faithfully, thank you very much, goes mm. to Radio Pulpit and takes these podcasts and distributes it around the world and around the country yeah, because you. our people will perish due to lack of knowledge, yeah. and that is why we want to use this platform. Yeah. Rev, uh, should mm. I say congratulations, or what should I say? I, I, I don't know what the <laughs> words is, but you've been on carte blanche yet again. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I've been on carte blanche. It's amazing. I got two invitations. The one was to speak on the issue of mandatory vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there was a little clip. They didn't show the whole thing on, on TV. I just wanted to touch on that because yeah. that is a weird thing for me. <laughs> the, the entire clip that is on carte blanche's site is not the one that was live on TV. No, no, no. They only showed about, I think, five or ten minutes uh, about what I said. And then it, because I actually did a one hour interview in my home and um, then even that 25 minute clip is is about half of, of of what i shared but you know i'm not complaining i think you know if they were at, at least able to put a a, a a bigger version of the clip, you know, on their Facebook page, which they did. And some people found it there, and, and I believe it went viral. So, yeah, I, I think it accomplished its purpose. That's the main thing. So I think it's got, uh, if I'm not mistaken, about 40,000 views already. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, yeah, definitely. Um, the main thing is to get information out there. And, of course, a lot of what I was saying was based on legislation, was based on the CCMA cases, and my assessment as mm. a labor law, because I think some people don't know that my area of expertise actually is labor law. Mm. So I did my master's degree in labor 
Law at UCT Nohal. That was my alma mater, and I did my postgraduate diploma and also in labor in dispute resolution, also at UCT. So I was speaking Get mostly down. to the CCMA issues in that carte blanche and the constitutional um, issues there. So yeah, it's it's up on on uh, YouTube. So if you haven't seen it, maybe do give it a watch. And you, because a lot of people are are emailing me. I'm getting hundreds, mm. hundreds, and and literally thousands of emails on how to respond, what to do. So I do want to encourage you to please go watch that YouTube um, video because it's sharing a lot of what to do and what some of the issues you must raise as an individual are. So it, it may help you just to um, Google my name, Pearl, P-E-A-R-L, Coupe, K-U-P-E, and then just Google Pearl Coupe Carte Blanche. It'll come up. So ironically enough, when yeah. we talk, a lot of times you refer to constitution, constitution, constitution. Yeah. I think we've got a country right now that's so confused with the word constitution because yeah. the, they're constantly trying to amend it. Yeah. They're trying to amend it with the land expropriation without compensation. They're trying to amend it now with yet another bull. Um, what are we talking about tonight? Something about health. Well, yeah, but I really did want to say this before we even go there. I think it's, you know, it's, um, and I'm glad you started off with this just because I think it's really appropriate for us to do a review. And like you said, we've been on this program almost two years now. Mm. And when we started, I'm sure there were a lot of people out there who were like, what are these people up to? What mm. are they on about? You know, just Yeah, talk we got a lot of critics. Just <laughs> talk about going to heaven. What's wrong with you? This yeah, is a yeah, Christian yeah. radio station. And there's one thing that we have said consistently and persistently about the Ecclesia. What have we said? That we are let the me, church. Let me see if you're a good, good right, student. Right, right. Come on. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to mark you now. All right. Sure, but if I use the wrong words, it's <laughs> outcome-based education. Remember <laughs> that, right? Um, so we have got an active role to play yes. in legislation in Parliament. Yes. And as the Church of Christ, yes. we should make our voices heard when Parliament wants to change things that's ungodly. Yes. But for some reason, we as the Church sit back and we do nothing about this. By the yes. way, that's the reason why I'm doing this. Yes. Because I want to make a difference. Absolutely. That's the only way we can make a difference. We have said consistently, and I can't say this and express it and emphasize it enough that the ecclesia when yeshua talked about the word ecclesia mm. in matthew 16 18 he used that greek word when he said i will build my church mm. upon this rock mm. and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church and the exact word he used for for church was ecclesia greek word i will build my ecclesia Mm. And again, repeating ourselves, when you do a study of the word ecclesia, it comes from two words. Ek kaleo is the root word when you do an etymology study. I will build, ek kaleo are the called out ones. So he's saying, I will build, my church is not referring to a building, mm. but I will build my generation of people who are called out. Mm. And the ecclesia in that time was a body of people who would gather together to rule the city, to determine mm. what happens in the city. That was what was referred to as the ecclesia. So Yeshua was saying, I will build my generation of people who've been consecrated, set apart to rule and govern and legislate on my behalf on earth and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my people. So this is the basis of why we are here and why we do this program because we have understood over the years and we've said it many times that law, 
law. When people want to determine what you can and cannot do, when people want to determine your conduct, your behavior, they use the arm of law to do so. So what you and I can do will depend on what the law says, what the law criminalizes and says you cannot do this. You will not be able to do it because if you do it, you breach the law and you'll go to prison. Mm. So like we've seen in this lockdown era, there's so many things we were not able to do. You must not do this. You must not go out. You must not this. You must not that. And then there are a lot of you must. You must wear a mask. You must do this. So what they criminalize um, then mm. and, and what they um, actually uh, decriminalize is now what determines our conduct and our behavior. And that's why as a group of people, especially as sons of God, who've been given a mandate to legislate and a mandate to be salt, which means be influential, a mandate to be light, which means show the direction, mm. we cannot afford to take ourselves out of the equation when it comes to laws, the making of laws, the passing of bills, commenting on the bills, on legislation. We have to be there. We, we don't only have to be there and comment. We need to know what to comment. We need to mm. know what to say because it's going to impact and affect our everyday behavior and conduct. So for interest's sake, I'm probably stepping onto someone's toes now, <laughs> but uh, if you are listening to me and Reverend Paul, Wear safety boots because we're not going to hold back because we're afraid to step on your and toes. The hel- and the helmet. And don't the forget helmet. the helmet especially. Don't forget the helmet. So if interest like uh, the previous time I got a mail from someone Ooh. and I'll, 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 I'll choose my words carefully, yes. uh, but the mail called me out and the mail said that how do you dare mix up Politics and church. Ah. Um, and the church should stick to Jesus oh. and they should leave politics off the pulpit. Oh my goodness. And um, I did not respond to that mail. I know that person is listening today. Um, <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, the church is, if not supposed to be the most vital role player yeah. in politics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've just said that. And um, maybe if we make comments like this, perhaps we may not have pr- pr- read the Bible comprehensively. The Bible is not about a group of people who go to worship once a week in a building and clap hands and sing Kumbaya, my Lord. <laughs> that is not what the Bible is saying. It's a set of principles that tell you how to operate in different aspects. So there are rules of governance. Mm. How are you supposed to govern? There are rules there that pertain to justice. Um, I'm a lawyer, so I read the Bible and it tells me about justice and manning the justice gates. Amos 5.15 texts about justice being dispensed at the gates. Uh, Psalms 97.2 tells me righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. So it's giving me direction as a lawyer Mm. in terms of how do I function in terms of justice. And the Bible is a set of principles that tells us how to function in government Um, how to treat our leaders, those who are in authority. It tells us how to function in the communication sphere. It tells us how to function as family. What is the governance structure of family? Mm. What is the governance structure of the ecclesia within the church body, apostolically, Mm. prophetically? It tells us how to function as leaders. What is the leader's role? It tells us how to function in every area. So anybody who says stay out of politics is basically, how on earth are you going to have dominion? 
Dwayne, mm, mm. when you are not the politics here, here's politics. You know what politics is? <laughs> Let me tell you. You're gonna po tell me. Politics is the judiciary, it's the it's the legislature, and it's the executive. Those are the three arms of government. That's mm. politics. Let me give you a scripture for that. Isaiah 33:22. If we want to start with politics, says it says the Lord is judge. It says the Lord is lawgiver. And the Lord is king. He will save us. You know what that's saying? Let's decode it for those who think no politics. <laughs> the Lord is judge means he's the judiciary. That is one arm of government. The Lord is lawgiver means he's the legislature. And the Lord is king means he's the executive. He's the one who judges. He's the one who gives laws. And he's the one who implements. He's the executive. So God is the three arms of government. Mm. The three arms that form our political base. <laughs> That's our God. Mm. So as sons of God, if God is the original source of government and governance, how are we as sons of God, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it thereof. And that means... The earth belongs to God. It is our father's estate. As sons, we are supposed to manage and steward our father's estate. If he is the source of governance and the source of government, how will we as sons of God manage our father's estate when we exclude ourselves out of the judiciary, out of the legislature, and out of the executive? And isn't it ironic, um, yo, Rev, we can go on about this whole night, <laughs> but isn't it ironic how we've got... Mm, if there's political parties listening now, they'll probably go go at me, but it's okay. That's okay. Um, isn't it ironic how a country is collapsing? Because when we look at the 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 the, the compilation of the people in parliament, how much ungodliness is ruling that government? I'm sorry, I'm going to call it out, but if, if we've got godly people in parliament, we'll have godly legislation. Yeah. So isn't it ironic how the absence of the church? in parliament plays a role in the legislation of our country and how they're trying Absolutely. to change these things to make it more ungodly? Yeah, that is part of the problem is, you know, in terms of, like you say, political parties who um, take, you know, ungodly decisions. That's part of it. But then there's a bigger part of it. And the bigger part of it is citizens who do not actually take part. Because even when you have ungodly political parties, there's still a system whereby uh, it allows the citizens, democracies have this system, whereby before they can legislate and pass a law, citizens are supposed to comment. They're mm. supposed to consult. It's something that they are required to do. It's not an option. And so... Even if you have godly parties and, and they put forward certain bills, but the citizens do not comment, mm. it's still going to be the same thing. So I would say, it, you know, part of it is, is with respect to the, the, the parties, but a greater component is with respect to the citizens of the land. Uh, power for the people, power to the people for the people. Democracy means you have citizens who are active in making decisions and in participating in the political landscape. So uh, I, I'm very concerned about somebody who would say we're not supposed to um, participate in, in politics. That means you're allowing other people to have dominion. How will you have dominion? God said in Genesis 1 26, mm. he said, subdue. He said, take authority. He said, have dominion. How will we have dominion when we don't exercise our authorities and we don't participate in that? So that is unfortunately one of the, 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 um, what we call the misleadings of the Nicolaitan doctrine. 
Sure. The Nicolaitan, if you do a real I study. I know exactly what that means. I know you do. Mm. So if you talk about those that the theologians out there, etc., will know about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, who came in with a lot of, lot of wrong theologies, brought them into the church, but they're not part of kingdom principles. And one of the Nicolaitan um, doctrines, wrong ones, is around the separation between <laughs> the, the priesthood and the laity. And another one, a wrong principle, is around taking uh, the church out of politics when Yeshua was actually saying that you are a governing body as the church. Mm. You are a governing and a legislating body. And that's the reason why the church has now advanced in the way that we were supposed to advance because we've misunderstood our mandate and the agenda of the kingdom of God. Listen to this comment that just came in by Pastor Chris. He says, he is the judge of all time, the yeah. ancient of days. Mm. His judgment brought uh, the universe into existence. Mm. No person or nation will be excused from the courtrooms of heaven one day. That's right. Sure. Yes, hey, he's just it's it's uh, there's so Preach many it. scriptures. Preach it, Papa. There's so many scriptures around judge, uh, you know, and who he is as a judge. He he is judge. He's justice himself. His name is El Mishfat, which means justice. He's the god of justice. So he don't doesn't only define justice. He is justice. And so you can't define justice outside of God. All right, so that was the intro. <laughs> All right, just a shout out quickly to uh, Sanki van der Merwe, uh, Kathleen Olivier, Johanne Dia, Chris van Rensburg, uh, Lydia Forster, Estelle Matthews, Christa Barnard, Peter Boeta. All of you guys tuned in on Facebook right now. Thank you very much for that. Also, our WhatsApp lines are open 082 657 Lance. Uh, Kamp, thank you very much. Uh, Joan Marais, thank you very much for tuning in. All right, so I just want to touch on this yet again. We are going to talk about something, Riff, that's going yeah. on right now. Uh -huh. It is, it is, it is <laughs> the, the so-called bowl regarding health right now. Right. Um, and and uh, uh, let's assume that our listeners knows nothing about this, right? It's open for public comment. Right. And we've got to do submissions and we've got to give our opinions on this. Could you just firstly start off by telling our listeners what is this new proposed health bill all about? Well, let me first of all start by saying this, giving a little bit of a background so that people may actually understand its introduction. Mm. Now, we would know over the past two years, we've had a lot of regulations that have been passed um, by the government now alleging that this is how they're managing COVID through uh, COGTA. Of course, we know that Minister uh, Dr. Zamini Zuma is Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma is, of course, in charge of the COVID Command Council. And um, they're the ones that really, along with the Minister of Health, Ministry of Health, have been changing different regulations in their view, in their view, trying to manage the COVID scenario. Now, here's the thing. Let's, let's understand the history and the background to it. We have had a state of disaster um, announced, state of disaster management allegedly, for the past, what, <laughs> almost two years. And it's come to a place... It's more than two years now. Yeah. It's, it's two years and 10 days. Yeah. 18th of March. Absolutely. Two years and 10 days. There you go. Right. To how many hours? No, 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 so no, I, I don't know that. <laughs> uh, let me tell you why I know it. I'm seated here with you today, and tonight is my wedding anniversary. Ah, so I remember the date very well. Good for you. Good <laughs> right, for you. Yeah. Well, yes. So we, we've had it now. It's come to a point where the state can no longer um, operate under a state of disaster management act. You know why? 
because um, all other countries have, have, have taken it. Like, look at Botswana, for instance. Um, their equivalent of the State of Disaster Management Act was a National Emergency Act. So when South Africa put in its State of Disaster Act, Botswana put in something called State of Emergency, National Emergency Act. Which is different, totally different. Which is different, but functioned in a very different, uh, same, same way. Same way, yeah. Same way. Now, they lifted their state of emergency on the 1st of October. Okay? Mm. So that's how many months away? That's, that's like six months ago. Six months ago, they lifted it. And so have so many nations around the world. In fact, so many nations around the world have not only lifted the state of disaster or national emergency, they've actually done away with COVID protocols. Today, there's a travel site, which I will give you, um, and you can put it on the radio. But there's a travel site that if you go in there, it updates the information pertaining to how many uh, nations are no longer uh, doing COVID protocols. So they've, they've lifted all travel um, restrictions mm. and bans. Today, it's up to 22 nations. No COVID travel bans or restrictions. What do I mean by that? I mean that you don't even require a PCR test to enter. And you're not even tested on the airport. You're not even tested on entries. So you're not countries like the Maldives, UK, all of those countries. You don't even require a PCR to enter the nation. So what am I saying? I'm just saying that shows you that most countries have moved into a place where um, they are now learning to live with COVID as flu. In fact, let me say this. The, 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 Dr. Nkosazana Zamini Zuma herself said, I think it was about a month or maybe a, more than a month ago, um, that they were looking at doing away with the COVID protocols and, and uh, downgrading COVID, downgrading mm -hmm. COVID to where it would be treated as flu. It would be treated as a flu. And um, therefore, that means doing away with all the COVID protocols. This is essentially what most countries have done. Now, when you look at the UK, uh, Dwayne, they have far, far, far more cases than we have. We, the government has openly said that we have 80% immunity, herd immunity. This is what they were looking for all along. So one would think having had herd immunity and, and what the minister was saying that we're looking to downgrade COVID. And then when you look at alert level one, when you saw alert level one, what did it say on February the 1st, when they announced the alert level one regulations, first of all, they said from now on, um, if you are found to have um, your, you test positive, but you're asymptomatic, not showing any symptoms. They said that, listen, you don't, even have to quarantine. And then they talked about children in schools. Learners do not even have to social distance anymore. And, and, and so the trend, Dwayne, the trend has been towards relaxing, relaxing the COVID measures. Now, most recently, what happened? We don't have to wear masks anymore outside, only inside. Mm. And um, so it's, it's continuing on a downhill trend because... Uh, South Africa can see that most countries are going back to normal business. Now, here's the issue of the, I wanted to set it, the tone for the national mm. health bill. There. So because of that, South Africa and the leaders in South Africa have become increasingly aware that we can no longer justify this state of disaster. Mm. We have to. 
It, in fact, it should have been li lifted ages ago in my own perspective. I believe it should have been lifted ages ago. Now they've come to a place where because nations all around the world are abandoning COVID protocols, they can no longer justify the COVID regulations under the State of Disaster Management Act. Here comes the health bill. So the question now that is, is before them is, how are we going to control people's behavior in the absence if we lift the State of Disaster Management Act? We That's lose, it. We lose control. That's it. We're done. We can't control people's going in and out and all of that. We don't have any bill, any legislation to control people's movements. So this is now where the health bill comes into play to say, let us bring in. So what the health bill is essentially doing is bringing in the provisions that mm. were in the Disaster Management Act. To keep the control to keep the control. So there are provisions there pertaining to isolation, um, to, you know, that you must isolate. And one of the things that really upsets me about that legislation is it talks about that if you are showing symptoms or if you are suspected, you are suspected of having COVID symptoms, you can forcefully be isolated. And in the course of being isolated, you can be forced to take medical intervention that you may not choose to take. So suspected, that, that word really concerned me because what does suspected mean? Mm. So any health official can come to me and say, look, hey, your nose is red. I suspect you have COVID. I must test you. And I must give you an injection. On the basis of suspicion. Mm. I mean, that is outlandish, I think, in my own view. How can um, you be forcefully forced to do something on the basis of suspicion? Just suspicion. What if some health official has some long-standing feud with me and happens to be my neighbor and doesn't like me because maybe we're sharing the tree and he, I haven't cut my side of the tree? And he can come and say, I suspect you have COVID and force me to be isolated and force me to be vaccinated against my will. There's so many possibilities and so many question marks around um, this legislation. It's also contradictory. Like I've said, it's contradictory in the sense that we're supposed to be moving towards relaxation. But now when you look at this legislation that's coming in, it's not moving towards relaxation. It's moving towards tightening. It's actually tightening. All it's doing is replacing. It's so it's giving them the chance, the ability to remove the Disaster Management Act, but still retain the same control that they had under the State of Disaster Management Act. Now, the disaster was there because there was a disaster. There's not a disaster anymore. So what is the justification for taking the same provisions that were put in there allegedly to manage a disaster? Why are you still relying on those provisions when the disaster is no more? People are walking around outside with no masks, but you still want to legislate the same provisions that were purportedly to deal with a disaster. We now have 80% immunity. Where is the disaster? Where is the disaster? So let me understand this correctly. So at this point in time, whenever we go to the news, whenever we go to the newspapers or the address of the nation, they keep on... Um, extending the dates of when he's going to talk again and when he may consider lifting this whole thing. But technically, they're buying time. They're buying time. Exactly. So that this new health bill can be put in place. Absolutely. And as long as this health bill is on hold, they're the, going to the, keep the, us they're under They're going to keep it, yeah. 
And so, stole the builder's post. Absolutely. So here's the thing. Uh, we have until the 14th of April. <laughs> Yo, we go to, again. We have until the 14th <laughs> of April to respond. And so I, I, I can tell you right now that the 14th of 15th of April, because the, it was extended till the 15th of April. So in all likelihood, it's probably going to be extended again, because now they're still going to have to do all, everything, gather up the responses for the submissions and all of that. So I don't know if it's going to be lifted on the 15th of April, because that 15th of April coincides with the same day of just the end of the submissions. And they still have to do more work after that. So, so it's good news for us if they do lift it on the 15th and nothing came from this bull. That, that would be good news. Be but but I, I, I don't see them doing that because the minute they lift it, they do not yet have a bill in place to substitute that. And remember, they're wanting to have a substitute before they can lift the, the, the state it, of the Is a substitute necessary? Is, is, is necessary? But that's, that's the whole thing. That, that's what I'm saying. It's not necessary. We have 80% herd immunity. The last variant, which was Omicron, was a baby variant, which, number one, the Omicron variant, um, most people had Omicron, Dwayne, and they didn't know that they had it. Number two... The vaccine could not deal with Omicron. Many people, yes, the, 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 the vaccine was, was actually resistant to Omicron. And that's what was scientifically said. And many people um, actually still con contracted uh, COVID even after vaccination. So I want to share something with you that someone actually just sent to me. They sent me mm -hmm. videos of uh, sh the the city Shanghai yeah. going into a total lockdown yeah. last night at 12 o'clock. Yeah. And they going into a total lockdown, there's disarray and chaos in the streets that people are struggling to buy the necessary stuff to go into lockdown. But there's yet again another lockdown. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the critics, uh, one of the messages I just got was, they're keeping us online because the winter season is approaching again. And winter season means new variants of COVID, as shown on the videos that I've just sent you, um, uh, like in Shanghai. Shanghai also recovered. In fact, the recovery rate was better than the recovery rate of South Africa. Uh, and Shanghai yet again have to go into total lockdown. Well, let me, let me just say this. I mean, basically... Winter season, yes, and I'm not going to get into the medical yeah, aspects yeah, yeah. because I'm not a doctor. Mm. I'm not a doctor. Um, our argument has really been around constitutional rights, constitutional rights, yes. and our our submissions have been around pro-choice. Give people a choice. In the same way as flu has always come around seasonally, every year we have flu. Is that not right? We true, have flu. Every true. year, flu kills a certain number of people. Every year, some people get flu vaccines, but they're not forced on anybody. People voluntarily mm. get flu vaccines. They are not under true. lockdown. They're not forced to have jabs or anything like that. Right now, I'm dealing with a case in Botswana, <clears throat> unfortunately, of a South African citizen. Uh, Botswana put in a law, a mandatory vaccine law, um, on February the 11th by the Minister of Health and Wellness, Minister Edwin Dicolotti, and they said everybody who enters Botswana must be jabbed regardless. And Botswana citizens were even fined 5,000 bula 
if they were not vaccinated. And this South African citizen who happened to be uh, the driver and manager of one of the celebrity rap artists here, Slikor, he went in and he was vaccinated on March the 4th. And I actually visited his mother on, on Friday and she told me the facts. Said he was vaccinated on March the 4th. Within a few hours, he complained and screamed about his head. And uh, he was admitted to Princess Marina Hospital ICU, went into a coma and unfortunately died on March the 17th. On March the 17th. So this is why we are saying, and I'm not making any you know, assumptions, presumptions or anything. But I'm saying that people should have the right to decide. And we've said it so many times, according to Section 12, people should have a right to decide what goes into their body, especially when it comes to medicines that are still technically on clinical trial and technically uh, as medical experimentation. They have not undergone the international required process of testing over a period of at least 10 years to prove their efficacy and their safety. Especially in those instances, people should be given the right of choice. We are pro-choice, and I've said that many times. We're not anti-vax, we're pro-choice. So yes, COVID is seasonal, so is flu. Flu is seasonal, and people are still given a right of choice whether they want to take a flu vaccine or not. Look, I don't want to do conspiracy, conspiracy no, theories I'm and not stuff. A conspiracy but, uh, but no, but what yeah. I'm saying is for me, it becomes more and more plausible that there was something bigger behind all of this. Yeah. But all right, let's leave it there. Listen yeah. to this. Uh, Chris says that if a government has no more control over its citizens, it has no more governing powers. Because they lack spiritual leaders, they have leaders that are dependent on force to control. People will not listen to government and rebellion, violence, loot on the grounds of your needs will force people to take control without rulers. That's why they need a health bill to have the last control. Control. Sure. True. Sure. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Riv. Um, well, yeah. Like, well, like we said, legislation is all about control. So what you legislate determines the conduct of, of people. Uh, but in, in all of the legislation, you must not legislate beyond the boundaries of the Constitution. And as I've said time and time again, the Constitution is the most supreme law of the land. So every legislation must tie in with the Constitution. It cannot go beyond what the constitutional powers allow. So you have to give ear to things like Section 9 of the Constitution, which talks about equality and which talks against discrimination. That is Section 9 in Chapter 2 of the Constitution. So if there's a, a piece of legislation that goes against Section 9, it has to be thrown out. And what does Section 9 deal with? It deals with equality. And it says that you cannot have unfair discrimination. So if you are allowing me, if you and I, both of us, can contract COVID, Dwayne, I'm vaccinated and you're not vaccinated, we both can contract covid according to scientific research, no, that's true. according to medical research. But I'm denied entry on the basis of this. I'm denied insurance or my insurance claims and premiums are hiked up 
more because I'm not I'm vaccinated. That is pure discrimination. And Section 9 of our Constitution, Chapter 2, Bill of Rights, prohibits that, as does the Employment Equity Act. It prohibits unfair discrimination. And if you're going mm. to deny students, university students, right of access mm. to education on that basis... Again, it's discrimination. It's pure, unadulterated discrimination that cannot be scientifically justified because the science says we both can contract COVID. And indeed, we've seen people who are jabbed and have contracted COVID. Our, our own president, hallelujah, you know, God, <laughs> <laughs> he contracted COVID. He was fully jabbed. So that just goes to show that to discriminate against me on the basis of my vaccination status is, is pure discrimination and it is forbidden and prohibited in terms of our constitution. So any piece of legislation, whether it's the health bill, etc., must be lined up with the constitution. It cannot allow discrimination to, to that, that extent. And I, I will always keep saying Section 36 does not apply. Because you have people who keep screaming, no, but Section 36 limits your constitutional rights. It says in limiting your constitutional rights, basically in simple layman's language, that there must be some extraordinary reasons advanced before you can limit my constitutional rights. I don't see the extraordinary reasons. We both can contract COVID. We both can transmit it. There are natural alternatives that are out there that can be given to one. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. There are other alternatives to stop and prevent COVID, which have been successfully applied. So where is the extraordinary reasons? Where are the extraordinary reasons that exist to deny me application of my constitutional rights that are not only entrenched in section 9 but are also entrenched in section 10 which deals with dignity that I have a right to dignity but right to dignity includes freedom of choice it also goes against section 12 of the constitution section 12 which says that I have a right not to be medically experimented on it also tells me I have a right to informed consent which means before you administer any medical intervention on me Dwayne before you vaccinate me, you must tell me what's in that. You must tell me the contents there. That's right to informed consent. Right to, to, to my bodily, physiological, psychological, and bodily integrity. All of those things. So legislation that's out there. We're not saying no legislation. Law is there to help, um, you know, control behavior. But in a good way, in a positive way. Not to imprison you unnecessarily and take away your constitutional rights of freedom of association and movement unnecessarily and especially where it can be shown that these rights are only being taken away for commercial benefit. Sure. Rev, I wish the people could actually see me because I want to want to actually do quotation marks here but isn't it ironic for me it sounds like the the, the constitution is like the modern Christian reading the Bible. Okay, hear me out. We choose which part of Scripture we want to use to justify our lives, and we ignore the parts of Scripture that reprimands us. And if I hear to all these sections that you're calling, someone just says she knows her law. Well done. <laughs> uh, if I listen to all of these subsections and the sections and the sections, it seems to me like people choose certain sections within the Constitution to justify their actions, and they ignore others because they know that that's going to give them a hiding. Is that typically the case right now, what we are experiencing in South African legislation? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, and one of the challenges we've had is really getting the cases to the constitutional court where they can be heard. Um, the, the challenge is that you do not have direct access to the constitutional court. So a case must go up the, you know, through courts, uh, through a hierarchy, a hierarchical system. So um, it would mm. take maybe a, a couple of years. It has to go through the high court and you know, provincially and all that. So it can take two to three years before the case goes there. And unfortunately, you know, um, by that time, it, it, it may be late. For, for some people, it may be late. So that's the unfortunate aspect because really um, the Constitutional Court should have treated this urgently as an urgent application and, and actually been able to adjudicate on it. So uh, we, c we can just remain prayerful on this aspect. But as I've always said, Dwayne, and this has always been my argument, I keep saying this is not about mandatory vaccination. Mm. And, and again, I want to repeat to those who vaccinated, this is not condemnation on you. This is not to say that you are a bad person or you're going to hell. No, <laughs> we are not saying that. The argument and the fight is for our constitutional rights. And what is the one thing I've been saying um, over and over, uh, if you remember, Dwayne, I kept saying this even before we knew what was happening. I said that these laws have been put in place to manage disaster, a so-called disaster. And I said, be careful. I kept warning. And I said, be careful that when the disaster is over, that we are not still subjected. Yeah, you called that. You, yes. You called that two years ago. I already. said you that many that. times. Yeah. I said, South Africa, be on alert. Because this is what many nations do. They're paving the way. They pave the way. Dictatorial, totalitarian, authoritarian governments, they take their chances and they, take a, they see a loophole. Mm. And they love the control. And they don't want you to exercise your freedom. And these, these rights were hard fought and hard won. And I kept warning. I said, South Africa, we have to be on the alert. Be watchful. Watch that when this is all over that our rights are returned back to us because we've had freedom of association taken away. We've had freedom of movement take away, taken away. All these rights that we enjoyed have been taken away. And I said, what we have to do as citizens is be watchful and demand our rights back when all of this is over. And guess what's happening? Exactly. It was a prophetic word, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's be watchful. And this is what we had to watch out for that now our rights are not being... Per because what is happening by placing these... Let me say this to South Africa loudly and clearly. What is effectively happening in practice by taking what was in the Disaster Management Act out, those provisions, by taking them out and putting them in the health, because that's all they're doing, putting them in this health bill. You know what it's doing, Duane? Let me shock viewers out there. It's putting us in a permanent state of disaster with, yeah. without calling it State of Disaster Management Act. But it is putting us in a Health permanent. Law. Yes. It's, so you're just taking the provisions out, putting them under a different title, a different covering. And now effectively, they, we will always be in a permanent state of disaster. That's and, what it's doing. And in control. 
So this is what I want to ask South Africa. If you want this health bill to go through, then you are effectively submitting yourself to a permanent state of disaster, whereby any time any health authority can suspect that you have a disease, and due to that suspicion, they can forcefully isolate you and forcefully have you submit to a medical intervention without your consent. You will be in a permanent state of disaster. If that's what you want, then do nothing about this bill. All right, so Rev, we've got 10 minutes left and we've got to inform. Wow. There's, there's only 10 minutes left. Oh my God, you must increase this program to five hours. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, so we've got 10 minutes left, and we want all of our Facebook uh, viewers and all the people listening to us right now, uh, Rev's going to share the details with us of how you can go and do your submission. Now, I've said this multiple times, and I came under a lot of attack last year (laughs) by specific church leaders that said, listen, we had one million signatures on a piece of paper. That is not, that's one submission. That's a million people signing a so-called, what do you call it? Uh, the the uh, protest. Uh, what, what do you call it? If million people sign on one, it's only petition. one submission. Yeah, if a million people sign a petition, yeah, it's only seen as one submission. Yeah. So Rev, go for it. We've got eight minutes left. How do we go about this? Well, here's the, there's an email address, and I think the best thing for me to do is actually send you the email address. Um, because sometimes when you say it live, etc., people, you know, oh, I missed it. I can also post it here for you. Yeah, like. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna text it to you. Please just look out for Wayne's, um, I mean Dwayne's uh, Facebook page and radio. I don't know where else you post yeah, it. I'll just put tell it. Them. I'll put it on the video on Radio Pulpit. Go have a look at my video okay. with myself and Rev at the comment strip. We'll have it at the bottom of that. Yeah. So I'm gonna send all the details there to make it quick. But put your submissions out there. Um, advance the reasons why because because that's important, why you're opposed to the bill. But what is our reasons? Well, I've said a lot of them. But yeah, give, give, give one short quickly. No, I mean, uh, well, number one, I said we're going to be in a permanent state of disaster management act. Number right. two, I talked about the aspect that we're in, uh, we have 80% herd immunity. So just go watch this video yeah. again or go yeah. listen to the podcast again. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. I've, I've said at least yeah. five, six different reasons okay. as to, and, you know, and talking about issues around discrimination and constitutional rights. Those are all reasons to right. advance. To, to actually oppose the health bill. Um, I also do want to uh, ask you to go to the Dear SA website. So they have a, a, um, uh, a submission that you can sign also on there. So Dear SA has a link that you can link to. And in fact, on Thursday, Dwayne, on Thursday, we're having a Zoom meeting with Dear SA. I will send you the stuff. So Rob Hutchinson who is um, one of the directors of DRSA will be on our Zoom link. So he's going to explain also how to follow the process. Uh, Reverend Kenneth Mishwe as well will be also on our Zoom. ACDP is also pushing and driving this mandate as well from their side. And the other people who are pushing and driving this along, so we're partnering with all these people, is for SA. So if you go onto the 4SA, I think it's .org.za as well, you will find that they also have put instructions of how you can submit and, you know, some templates in terms of how you can respond to this bill. So we will be having all those people. We Michael Swain from 4SA will be joining us. Uh, Kenneth, Reverend Kenneth Mishwe from ACDP, the president of ACDP, will be joining us. And also... Um, 
uh, Rob Hutchinson will be joining us and Catherine Raffaelli, good friend of mine. She's the founder of The Red List, The Red List um, uh, also network. And you can go on their website also, which is www.theredlist, one word, .co.za. So if you go into all those websites, you will find information there and that tells you how to, you know, what to say, how to respond, the implications. But I also want to encourage everybody to please join us on our Zoom. You can go to my Facebook page. You will find the details of our Zoom meeting on Thursday from 7 to 9 p.m., all these leaders, these incredible leaders will be talking and will be sharing more about the implications of this national pr proposed national health bill. So join me on Thursday from 7 to 9. Go to my Facebook page, Pearl Komoto Kupe, Pearl Komoto, K-G-O-M-O-T-S-O, Kupe. Um, and you will find all the details around the Zoom link. So join us Thursday. 7 to 9 p.m. That's South African time, C-A-T, South African time. And join us and you'll have a time to ask questions as well. So we're going to have like a 15 to 20 minute question and answer period. So please do join us and you can find out more information. These are four different organizations um, that I belong to all of them. You know, uh, maybe, yeah, I belong to most of them there. And so, and, and I'm the legal spokesperson for the red list as well. So you can, you can find out more information. All right. Us. Just quickly. It's very easy. If you go to www.dearsa.org, yep. I also sent the, put, put the link at the bottom of this video on Facebook. Yep. It is very easy. If you access the page right at the top, it says support the legal actions to end state of disaster. And it also says, have your say on the uh, amendment to the health act, uh, permanent COVID regulations. That's awesome. Rev, just quickly before we go, we we literally right. have two minutes left. There's a message that just came in. Yeah. It is from Eunice. She says, please help me. If I leave uh, for Swaziland on the 12th of April, will I need to take a PSR test and have a certificate to show at the border? Um, Eunice, I'm, I, I'm not exactly sure what the status of Swaziland is, but I think uh, you should be able to enter. This is, I mean, don't take my complete word but i imagine that you should be able to enter with a 72 hour pcr test a, that that should enable you to enter it by the way we won the case in botswana we pushed back in 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 botswana where they had put in mandatory vaccination and through mobilizing parliamentarians, members of parliament, um, we were very grateful to to announce that on the February the 18th, sorry, March the 18th, the Minister of Health and Wellness, Minister Edwin Dicolotti, through active citizenry and through mobilization of, of um, members of parliament, in particular, I do want to send a shout out to member of parliament, uh, Dumelang Salishando, who was the person I was liaising with, and he's the one who took the minister up in parliament, asked him specific questions. Oh, wow. And I also want to send out a shout out to tourism, who also did their part because they went to submit to of the minister course. of health and they showed him that Botswana lost 120 million bula in, sure. two, in two weeks' time because of cancelled tourist visas because tourists said, mm. oh, we're not going there anymore. Mm. So through that, Botswana reversed on February the 18th. Well, the cabinet actually approved the decision on the 15th of March. 
And on the 18th, it was formally announced. So I can tell you that Botswana, you enter with a 72-hour valid negative PCR test. I do believe you have to do another one also at when you get into the border. And I do want to say this as well. Um, PCR tests, we'll have another discussion on that. But it has been scientifically and medically shown that PCR tests can also show um, false positives. So we have to look at that aspect of PCR tests as well, because sometimes they can show false positives that you have COVID when in actual fact you don't. So that's another issue for another day. All right, Lorev, just before we go, uh, Jacqueline says, blessings, Dwayne and ma'am. Elohim, ma <laughs> <laughs> Elohim is raising up his uh, government. And while the enemy is coming in like a flood, he already has raised up a standard through the wrath. Shalom, Jacqueline. Shalom to you, Jacqueline. All right, well, Rev, we've got uh, two minutes left. I'm going to hand the mic to you for the next two minutes. Um, <laughs> whatever God lays on your heart right now for the next two minutes, take it away. Well, I just want to encourage um, people out there again. Like I've said, this program has always been about constitutional rights. It's always been around making you aware and alert of your rights and standing up for your rights. So that's the last word I want to leave with you is don't give up. Don't give in. Make sure that your constitutional rights are not taken away away from you, that we are not put into a place where we now enter into a permanent state of disaster. Um, let's get back to our normal way of living. There are so many things that we need to do as a nation that we need to move forward. There's, there's a revival that has been prophesied in this nation. And so we just declare revival in this land that the, the, our families will be revived. Our economy will be revived. Everything that needs to be revived will be revived. Our health will be revived. And I just declare the life, Yeshua. Then John 10.10, it says the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, Yeshua, came that we might have life and have it in more abundance and so we decree that life over South Africa over every province right now in your families over your bodies over your family's health over our economy so we decree life in the name of Yeshua. And South Africa, it is well. Shalom over you. We will recover. We will move from survival to revival. And Africa shall be saved. And yes, Kenako, it's time. Simunye, we are one. We are united. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Arise and shine for your light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, South Africa. Woohoo! <laughs> there you have it on behalf of me Duane and Reverend Paul Kufay like it go to our Facebook page please go share this video also go to Radio Pulpit's uh, website tomorrow go take this uh, podcast and go distribute it far and wide on behalf of me and Reverend Paul blessings we love you yes. with the love of the Lord and uh, for more details send us emails we'll gladly respond to that love you guys and love you. Uh, bye bye, bye.